0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. Uh, So, a couple corrections. I made a couple mistakes in the last podcast episode and forgot to cover episode 265 entirely. So I'll be covering it here, but it's probably a good thing it got pushed as that episode was running kind of long at over 30 minutes anyways, even without talking about that third episode. So in addition, another correction was the manga chapters, obviously, actually covered in that podcast were... Uh, episodes 263 and 264 which were chapters 374 through 376 so yeah just with that correction I just wanted to make things clear because I did mention that I was going to cover 265 but I ended up not because I completely forgot and miscounted I don't know how that happened but anyways uh, so yeah on this episode we're going to be diving into episodes 265 through 267 which will cover manga chapters 376 through 380 uh, which is the siege on Ennius Lobby beginning with an all-out battle between the Alliance versus the world government. And synopsis, as Luffy barges his way ahead into Ennius Lobby, the Frankie family and the Galila company work together to clear the way for the Rocket Man and the rest of the Straw Hat crew. And in the meantime, the CP9 are all reunited with Frankie and Robin finally being brought before Spandam for the first time. Alrighty, so differences. There are actually quite a few differences in these sets of episodes. And you're going to see this kind of a uh, common through line throughout the NES lobby as they try and extend as much time as possible. So a couple things. When Zambai and the others arrive to fight Oimo and Kashi, he's given a bit more dialogue like him mentioning they don't have enough time to treat the destroyer's injuries uh, after they just were knocked out by the two giants. And yeah, they're just like small little lines here and there. Also, after Sodom and Gomura initially bite Kashi, they don't actually let go as they sh- they're shown in the anime. But everyone else uses that opening as they're you know bitten onto Kashi. Then that's when they initiate that attack that gets him nailed to the to the wall. And then another thing that they get um, added is the whole fantastical kabuki play with Jabra and Kumadori talking about their lost loved ones. Um, that was all added for the anime. That never actually happens in the manga. And it goes straight into that sort of ominous scene of uh, Spandam sort of talking about the devil fruits that he has acquired. And then speaking of Spandam, just before being taken to Spandam, Robin imagines her final happy moments with the strong hats as they floated down from Skypiea using the uh, octopus balloon. That's also added in the or that in the anime, and then just before Robin and Frankie are brought before Spandam, for the first time there are extra scenes of Luffy doing his thing, making his way through Enies Lobby, as well as um a, sh- a couple shots of the crew on the Rocket Man, just kind of pad out more time, and then in episode two sixty seven, we see extra scenes again with Luffy going wild on the Marines, and the only actual move that Luffy does in that scene that's actually in the manga is him using Gomu no Kazan or Gomu no Volcano as well as him sort of headbutting the side of the wall to topple it over those two moments are actually in the manga everything else surrounding it was added in the anime and then finally the moment at the end of episode 267 where Luffy is cornered by all the soldiers this is also added to what I assume is to give that end of that episode some more extra tension for a cliffhanger but that moment in the manga is not the end of a chapter so it just kind of flows into the next moment but yeah so there are a lot of changes uh mostly small in inconsequential things just to kind of pad out time and sort of extend the run time but yeah that's pretty much it at least the ones that I could find or at least the ones that are major enough to mention but with that being said let's move into my thoughts on these episodes first off uh, I have to mention, episode 265 is probably one of the most egregious offenders of the pre-opening theme time-wasting padding thus far, to the point where I can't quite ignore it as I'd say the real episode doesn't officially begin till we catch back up with Luffy more than 10 minutes into the episode's runtime, which is just insane to me. That's almost half the episode's runtime was wasted with needless recap and rehashing of scenes. We just saw in the previous episode. I mean, even if you wanted to make the argument that these episodes were shown week to week and people who aren't familiar with the series, and if they were to just jump in here for, say, like parents who want to sit down and watch with their kids, this is still excessive, in my opinion. And it, it yeah, th- this takes it to another level that kind of bothers me how much time is wasted. Which is also the reason why this episode is probably going to be a little bit shorter in terms of the content that I can cover because in these three episodes, there just isn't enough new content. Anyways, with that mini rant over, uh, the episode starts off pretty exciting and comical as Luffy just straight up walks up to the opening gate and politely asks to be let through. And the sincerity that Luffy displays here is just hilarious to me as it, it really does seem like he thinks that might actually work by asking nicely. Of course it doesn't and so he's forced to fight his way through but the manner in which he does it is even funnier as he takes control of one of the marine soldiers and uses a new move called Gomu Mikata Robo or Ally Robo or Ally Robot. This seems completely unnecessary and it's like Luffy's just having fun with these guys as yeah he can just literally beat them all up without <laughs> having to take control of these guys. And then Spandam gets notified that Luffy has made it to the main island. But the thing I wanted to point out that's interesting is that they mentioned that it's nighttime there right now, and many of the soldiers and guards are asleep. And like we mentioned in the last podcast episode at Enies Lobby, there's no day-night cycle. It's always daytime. But I never realized that it was actually nighttime during all this until this particular rewatch, which I'm not sure how I didn't catch for some reason. I always just imagine that this was during the daytime, but it kind of makes sense because they were, they left at night in Water 7. It was night all the way up to that point, And it's not like the sun rose. So literally, they just entered Anya's lobby, and it's already daytime. And I don't quite understand how this works, like from a astrological or astro, I don't even know what the word is from a scientific point of view, because that would mean that like any is is like at the top of the, the world. And it just sort of spins at the same location. So the earth doesn't actually rotate or it's like orbiting the sun, always facing any is which again, doesn't make sense because then it's like, how does the rest of the world have a day night cycle? Anyways, I, I don't really know how to explain that. Maybe Neil deGrasse Tyson can do something about that. But anyway, um, the Frankie family and of the Company have also managed to make it onto the island and open the front gate, only to be met with two giant guards. And I don't mean big guards. I mean real giants, as in the race of giants. These are legit giants like Bragi and Dori from Little Garden, named Oimo and Kashi. The defense that they're already facing just after the first gate makes it seem like What the hell else is waiting inside them to get past? Especially if the first line of defense is (laughs) these two giants. And these are the type of giants that even Luffy had trouble battling back on Little Garden. As he had some trouble facing Dory. So it'll be crazy to see how they get past these guys. And speaking of Luffy, when we catch back up with him. He's surrounded by soldiers and agents. With one of them boasting that they have 10,000 soldiers stationed there. Asking how many men he brought, and Luffy just coolly replies, "It's just him. It's like it's nothing." With his famous fist clutch, meaning he's going to start, you know, getting a little serious. I do like the little wordplay joke of Spandam misinterpreting how many casualties Luffy has actually inflicted, as the agent is trying to report five hundred, but he gets stopped because he gets knocked out at five, <laughs> and couldn't finish five hundred. With the arrival of Sodom and Gomora. They use their size and strength to subdue Kashi and everyone uses that opening to perform an all-out combo attack on him and restrain him to the wall. And then they goad Oimo into hitting him in the face and with that they easily take down one of the giants. Which was a little too easy for me but I guess I mean it's like 20 on 1 so even if they're giants they're still people to a certain extent. Anyways... Later on, the CP9 are all reunited, and it's really interesting to see their dynamic, like I said in the last podcast. It seems that Luchi and Jabura have sort of a rival relationship similar to Zoro and Sanji, but a little bit more adversarial. Then something really weird happens as Fukuro charges at the returning four and allows them to hit him. As he absorbs their hits, he then uses that to evaluate each other's strength. And he goes on to explain a normal human soldier has a power of 10, and then goes on to rank all of them with Luchi max- maxing out at 4000, Kalifo at the bottom uh, with 630 I believe, with Luchi, Kaku, and Jabra rounding out the top 3. This whole thing gives up a very Dragon Ball Z vibe with the scouters and power levels, but the way it's used here is just Oda's shorthand way of telling the audience, us, how strong the CP9 are relative to each other. But it tells us nothing about how strong they are compared to anyone else. And so, yeah, we normally have bounty amounts for, for that in one piece. And I remember, though, at the time this was published, we all collectively were trying to size up who would fight who. And it's been a while, but if my memory serves me here, this is what I originally predicted way back in 2005 when I first read this. So I thought it was going to be Luchi versus Luffy, Taku versus Zoro, Jabra versus Sanji, obviously being the top three. And then Bruno would fight Frankie as they had sort of that uh, relationship or at least history with the tavern and everything. And then we saw Kumadori with Chopper and Fukuro versus Usopp and then Khalifa versus Nami. And then, you know, you kind of have the sort of the Spandam and Robin pairing, I would assume. But seeing as how Robin isn't able to fight right now, I wasn't quite sure if she was actually going to join the fight or not. And it's funny to see how on the money I was with some and how far off I was on, on the others. But it was always fun to look forward to them. And, and, and I think about this for pretty much every arc, and I'm sure every fan does too. It's always fun to see, you know see the power levels of each of the quote-unquote officers of the villain group and try and see who gets paired up with who. It's always a fun exercise at the, at sort of the midway point of each arc. Getting back to the story though, Jabra and Luchi get into a little jawing match and it's revealed that Jabra has his own devil fruit that is most likely an Inu Inu fruit with Luchi calling him a stray dog and it's pretty obvious but I'm always proud when I predict a fruit's power and I definitely predicted Jabra's f- devil fruit right down to the model and I don't want to spoil it here just in case you haven't figured it out but I- it's pretty clear what it is. And and yeah, I, and, I, and I was always proud of the fact that I figured this one out, too. And then, of course, in classic Oda fashion humor, he just throws in the most random thing in the middle of a tense scene. And this one is surely one of the more out there ones as Fukuro lets it slip that Jabra is in a bad mood because he was rejected by a waitress named Gatherin. And I, I don't mean to be insensitive, but good God, Gatherin is one ugly lady. And like, I mean, comically ugly. <laughs> She's got, like, these really pronounced cheekbones and, like, this manly chin and really, really weird-looking eyes. Anyways, it's also noted that Spandem is a power level 9, which is lower than a regular human soldier. It's also teased that he's got not one, but two devil fruits. And I don't mean that he's eaten two devil fruits. He's got fruits just kind of laying around to be used, which is kind of crazy and adds a whole layer to everything, especially if he plans on giving those to the other CP9 agents who have yet to show that they have any powers, which means they're already pretty strong, but they're about to get stronger. And in any case, this was an awesome intro to our sort of colorful cast of villains and does an awesome job of getting us hyped to see them face our heroes. We also get a few more scenes of Spandem being irritating as hell while Luffy goes wild on the Marines as he uses a new move called Kazan or Volcano, which is... Basically, just Gomu Gomu no, Ono or Axe, but the force is instead more upward instead of downward. And all this commotion leads to the awakening of another bigger player in terms of the Ennius Lobby defensive force, which is the three headed Chief Justice Baskerville, which obviously invokes the famous mythical three headed guard dog Cerberus. And not only that, but the name has to be a reference to another famous dog from the Sherlock Holmes stories, the Hound of askerville and it's unclear if they're a unique conjoined person like a race of three-headed people or if there's like three people inside this sort of robe working together and with one piece it's kind of hard to tell <laughs> anyways returning back to the action at the second gate with everyone versus oimo they're running out of time to get the gate open in time for the rocket man but with some clutch rope work from Polly and the frankie family they manage to outwit him and get the second gate open. We then see the rocket men charging towards the gate with an awesome shot of Zoro and Yokozuna seated on the bow of the train. And Zoro informs everyone that the first gate has been closed on them and comes up with a new plan which is just insanity only Zoro and probably Luffy would come up with. He just coolly tells Yokozuna to push the fence down for the train to ride up on and it launches him up like 100 feet over the gate. And then Nami inquires whether Zoro has a plan for landing. And I just love this moment. Without even flinching, he just says, just leave it to, and then luck. <laughs> and so this moment is really funny, but a couple of things I wanted to mention about this line as this joke kind of gets lost in translation. And they do, they do an admirable job of sort of leaving in that pause between just leave it to, and then everybody's, ooh, and then he finishes off with luck. But the way it works in Japanese is when Nami asks Zoro if Zoro has a plan for landing, he says the word makasero, which does mean leave it to or leave it to me. And usually, if you want a full sentence, you include the subject like watashi, or in Zoro's case, it'd probably be more like uh, an informal ore. So it would be ore ni makasero, which is to leave it to me. However, in Japanese, when someone asks you to do something, often you can just say the word makasero, which implies you can leave it to me or whoever. And the joke works because Zoro saying just makasero, everybody thinks that he's coolly saying, leave it to me, as if Zoro has a plan to do something about the landing. And so they're all impressed and go, ooh. But then Zoro finishes the sentence off by unni or un is luck. And so he's basically adding the qualifier to it, which changes it from leave it to me to leave it to luck, which freaks everyone out. And it seems like a really insignificant thing to call out on my part, but I feel like this reaction from the other star hats can seem a little weird or awkward if you don't know how the joke actually works in terms of the Japanese language and wording. So I thought I'd explain it. The other thing I also like about this is the kind of call back to Zoro's sort of unflappable belief in his own luck, just like he displayed back in Log Town when seeing if he deserved to wield the Sandai Kitetsu. So I thought that was a really cool thing. Also, I love that even Yokozuna is freaked out by Zoro's plan <laughs> for leaving the landing up to luck. As soon as he says, Unni, or luck, <laughs> Yokozuna just goes, get out! <laughs> and during, during all this, Oimo regains composure and gets back up, only to find himself beamed in the back by the incoming rocket man, cushioning their fall with Zoro and Sanji emerging from the wreckage, epically taking care of a huge number of marines right off the bat, as well as Usopp's trademark saying of exactly according to my instructions and Chopper believing him. And then the episode ends with Luffy again cornered by a huge battalion of soldiers, just as it ended a few episodes ago, but this time with his back to a cliff, as if that really matters, we know he's gonna just gonna blast his way out, but this concludes this set of episodes, and yeah, like I said, it's kind of a shorter, lighter episode because they really just kind of extend out all the recaps and everything to give you as little content as possible but yeah i I think it's it's due to Toei's efforts to sort of slow down the pacing of the anime as much as possible because. You know, up until now, all these episodes have been really faithful to the manga. And so it's just been really barreling towards catching up with the manga at this point. I don't think it was anywhere really that close, even at that time, though. But yeah, I I can certainly understand they're trying to take as much time as possible. Because they haven't been able to, to insert a filler between arcs like they can normally. Because like I said, Water 7 and NES Lobby basically lead into each other. It's not really you can do to fill it with any sort of random episodes but yeah anyways that brings this podcast to an end so yeah if you did enjoy this send me a like or comment and if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching one piece please consider subscribing check out my instagram and twitter account at sunnygo podcast if you want updates of when i post a new episode or see some pictures of my manga collection can't wait to get more into the nes lobby arc Uh, but as always I wanted to thank you for taking the time out to listen to my podcast stay safe out there and I hope to see you on the next episode bye